Welcome to the broadcast at Mount Gilead Baptist Church. We invite you to join us here on this station each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. We also invite you to join us in person at 11 a.m. The church is located at 5332 Highway 52 East, Dahlonega, Georgia. Now join Pastor Les Fuller as he brings God's Word. Well, amen. I want to say what a joy it is to be in the Lord's house this morning. It's so good to see everybody here today, and uh, I, I appreciate the fact I don't need introduction. I like that, and I feel right at home at Mount Gilead. I really do. Uh, I know what it's like, though, when your shepherd's absent. I know what you're feeling. I know the uncertainty of it all, and I know you're praying for he and Miss Shelley, and I know they're heavy on your heart today. And uh, I know that, and so I know you continue to pray for him. This has been something in his heart for a long time that, um, and a burden that, that Les has had to share, you know, he shared with me. And I told him, I said, uh, you know, I prepared three lessons. I call them lessons because I taught them on a Wednesday night about grief and what grief is like. And, uh, and he said, you know, he said, um, I really feel like you ought to come. And, I, and so he's given me permission to teach all three. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That was supposed to be funny. But now I'm going to keep it that long, I promise you. I'm going to try to unpack it all that I possibly can and, and try to be a help, all right? When you mention the word grief, there's a lot, a lot of things that come to your mind. And uh, I hope to reframe some things in our thoughts today and uh, kind of maybe relook at grief and see grief in a little bit of a different way. And uh, here's something that I know oftentimes I forget that Jeff and I, we're around death and dying every single day of our life. And it's not that we become callous to it. We feel called to serve people in their hardest times. It's not that we become callous to it. But we can sometimes think that everybody uh, can deal with it as we can. And, uh, but sometimes people experience grief and it's kind of hard to get past. And so I think the Bible speaks to this in a lot of different ways. And so I'm, I want to share that with you as best as I possibly can. You may have known about these three gentlemen. They were sitting there together at a coffee shop and they were talking. And they said one to another, when people pass by your casket, what do you want them to say about you? First man spoke up and he said, hey, I want them to say, boy, he was a good man. Good husband, good father, great provider. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Second man said, well, I tell him to say of me, I was an honest man, a good man, and uh, went to church and a good man my whole entire life. The third man looked at him and said, I don't know about you two, but when they pass by my casket, I hope they look and say, hey, he's moving. <laughs> he didn't want to die, you know. So anyway, I want to take my text this morning from the book of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter number 12. I want to title this this morning, The Grip of Grief. The Grip of Grief. Grief has an ability to grip a person differently than any other thing in this world. See, oftentimes, here's what I believe. I believe that grief can grip your heart, and it feels as though that the sense of your loss is a grip around your throat, and it's pulling the life out of you. So I want you to imagine the imagery, if you will, of an emotion like grief gripping you and taking the life out of you. This is something that I learned and something that I prayed about. I believe that we are able not to let grief have a hold on us, but we can reach up and we can have a hold on grief. So instead of grief, 
being something that is holding us, we're holding grief by the hand and we're walking with it. We're walking with it day after day after day. Grief is a normal response to loss that God has given us. We could say it's innate. The two most powerful emotions that a human being experiences on planet Earth, number one is guilt, and second to that is grief. What happens oftentimes is those two emotions meet each other at the funeral home. Those two emotions meet each other in death. Some people are experiencing the grief of loss in losing a loved one while someone else is experiencing the guilt of not being there. The guilt of not making the call to go and share and show their love or making the visit. Maybe there was a falling out. And when those two emotions meet each other, it is amazing what the result is. Oftentimes it is irreparable pain, irreparable relationship, something that's hard to get over. All right? And so what I want to do today is uh, I pray God help me to be able to really help the people of God. And so there's some things that I've wrote and some things that I've studied and some things that I've shared. See, as a funeral director, I've been a funeral director about as long as I've, I've been on earth. I've been, been doing it a long time and um, don't know everything, but I've seen some things. I've seen spouses. I've seen children. I've seen both young and old children. I've seen grandchildren, grandparents, best friends, close cousins, and about every single relationship that you can possibly think, of, think about come under grief of some kind. I've watched them try to put their lives back together. I've watched them hurt, and that hurt for some is as real and as some is as painful today as it was the day that they lost a loved one. Grief, if you want to define it, it is a response to loss. Now, here's what you need to know. Grief is not always when you lose somebody, but grief can be when you lose something. I have seen men who have retired and they grieve. They grieve their job. I've seen uh, pastors, who people who once went to their church leave for one reason or another, and they grieve. They find themselves grieving. In 2016, I went through major depression, and I had to get some help to come out of that depression. The church I pastored gave me 30 days out of the pulpit, take a sabbatical and get help so that I could really get my mind where it needed to be. And one of the things that I learned in that time is as a pastor, I was grieving. I was grieving people who had died in our church. I was grieving people who had divorced in our church. Our church went through five major divorces. I'm talking about that affected a lot of people in one year, and it almost did me in. I was counseling with one of the families in our church. It was in an evening, and it began to be somewhat of a physical altercation. And the wife swung at her husband, and he kind of stepped out of the way, and guess who she made contact with? <laughs> Me. And it was about out for the count, but uh, I'm tough, you know. <laughs> but anyway, um, but that began a process that I began to learn that I was grieving. I was grieving. So a pastor can grieve. Anyone can grieve. 
I've seen so many, I've seen people who have lost their health and they begin to grieve because they miss their health. They miss the fact that they cannot do what they once did. They cannot go where they once used to go. Here's something you need to know. There's no right way and there's no wrong way to grieve. But understanding grief as a response helps us realize that grief does not have to have a grip on us, but we can take grief by the hand and we can walk with it. Here's something you need to know. If you didn't love, you would not grieve. If you didn't cherish, you would not grieve. If you did not have experiences, then you would not grieve. If you didn't have the memories you have, you would have no reason to feel the void that may be in your life and the grip that grief has upon you. So here's what I wrote. What if we looked at grief as not being a villain that chokes our joy and chokes our hope and our peace? But what if grief, because God gave it to us, what if it could be a friend that we could learn from that we would be able to walk out. Let me tell you some things about grief, and I want to help you, all right? Number one, grief, and I'm going to get to my text, because this is very important. See, grief can be instant. In other words, there's sudden loss. And grief can come on, and you can find yourself hurting. Grief can be delayed, delayed. What do you mean by delayed grief? If you're living with a family member, someone that you love, and they've got a long-term illness like Alzheimer's, dementia, things of that way, Alzheimer's has been defined now as the long goodbye. You find yourself saying goodbye over and over and over again. And it's hard, and it hurts the people who have to watch. And it's, it's known as the long goodbye, and so grief can be delayed. Here's something else, and this is a biggie. Grief can be ignored, ignored. If you ignore your grief and don't respond well to your grief, I want to tell you that you're experiencing pain like no other. But watch this. I want you to listen carefully. It's not just you who are being affected. It's others around you if you ignore your grief. If it's the loss of someone, if it's the loss of something, and you're ignoring it, you may not realize what you're doing. Here's how and what avoided grief looks like. It's a different kind of sermon, y'all. But I, I'm going to get to it, all right, because I'm a preacher. And so I'm going to get to it. But, but I want to help you. And so hang in here with me, all right? Some people ignore their grief by avoiding to go to church. They feel as though the hymns that might be sung will remind them of their loved one and they'll become emotional in public. Some will avoid the place where an accident occurred because it triggers traumatic memories. Some people don't want to go to the hospital. They don't want to hear machines. They don't want to see people in scrubs because it causes them to panic. Some people feel emotions of grief and they fear as though they're going to lose control or they might see themselves as going crazy. Some don't even want to sleep because they're afraid they'll have nightmares. Some don't want to go if they've lost a child, don't want to change anything in their room. They want to avoid any type of grief whatsoever. Now let me tell you what ignoring grief looks like. If you avoid it at all costs. Let me tell you what it sometimes results in. Substance abuse. I need some medication. Here's number two. Is isolation or you find yourself withdrawing. Another is you can throw yourself into work 
or advocacy. I'm going to volunteer myself to death so that I don't have to feel any pain. I'm going to give and give and give so that I don't feel anything. Sometimes you'll avoid people, you'll avoid places, you'll avoid activities because you're so afraid that your grief will be triggered. You want to avoid any feelings or any emotions. Another way when you see someone who's ignoring their grief is they lack emotion and they're pretending that everything is fine. Grief can be anticipated. What I mean by that is you experience the loss long before you ever experience it. If you've got an ailing parent, you're preparing yourself, but I want you to listen to me. You can never prepare yourself for the moment when they take their last breath and they leave this world. Grief can be alienated. In other words, you can say, I'm losing and so I'm feeling as though my loss is devalued, my loss is stigmatized, my son, my daughter died in this way and whatever this way may be. It could be a drug overdose and you feel stigmatized by everybody and you have this fear of mourning out loud and so you feel alienated. Grief can be complicated. In other words, it's pain that never seems to disappear. So if we lose anything, it can cause us to grieve. The great psychologist that I love to read behind is June Hunt. And she is a genius and a godly lady. And she said there are 12 losses that Christians experience that they don't grieve well often and they can find themselves out of church and their relationship with God can be hindered. And here they are. Number one is divorce or loss of any relationship. It could be a friendship. It could, you may be grieving the loss of a friendship that you once had because of a disagreement. Loss of health, loss of job, loss of financial stability. It could be a miscarriage. Some people grieve at retirement. It's not just the golden years. Death of a pet. Death of a pet. Loss of a cherished dream. Loved one's serious illness. Loss of a friendship. Loss of safety after a trauma. Or even selling a home can cause people all right? I'm going to scurry through because I don't want to lose you. And I appreciate your undivided attention. The Bible says a lot about grief. Here, here, listen, the Bible says in Isaiah 53 and verse number 3, this is what the Bible says about our Lord. He was despised. He was rejected of men. He was a man of sorrows. And the Bible says he was acquainted with grief. What does the word acquainted mean? It means he understands. He understands. The Bible says in Lamentations chapter 3, but though he caused grief, yet he will have compassion according to the multitude of his mercy. I like what the psalmist said in Psalm 71, in verse 20 and verse 21, Thou which hast showed me great and sore troubles shall quicken me again and shall bring me up again from the depths of the earth, that thou shalt increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. What was it when David said it was good for me to be afflicted? It was good for me to be afflicted. See, I want to tell you in your most immense pain and your most immense loss in life, it can be the greatest time that you experience the sweet, serene peace of God that passes all understanding that will keep your hearts and your mind through Him. Let me tell you something about grief. Remember, grief begins to come upon us like a grip like a grip. And there's three types of grips that grief has upon us. Number one is emotional. Emotional. 
There's shock, there's disbelief, there's sadness, there's guilt, there's fear. And here's the big one sometimes that we miss is anger. If someone is grieving and they seem to be ticked off all the time, that's a Greek word for mad, if y'all missing that, all right? They seem to be mad all the time. It's because they're grieving. They're grieving. If you have a spouse who's recently lost a parent, if you're a mother and a father who's lost a child, I mean, we can just kind of die, and you find yourself angry, or, you, or you're living with someone who is angry, understand, grief has a grip upon them, and there is an emotional response, and anger is one of those. Then there's the physical grip. Physically, people get fatigued, they get nausea, their immunity drops, they lose weight, or they may gain weight. They have aches, they have pains, they can't explain. Insomnia, they can't sleep. Psychologically, they go through denial, anger, bargaining, depression to try to find a place where they can accept what is going on in their life. All right? Let me, let me say to you today, there is the hardest part to arrive to that place you can accept and say, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I trust you. And you can begin to heal from your grief. You will never, ever, ever get over lost as a human being. There is nothing that can ever replace what you once had or who you once had in your life. It is the circle of life. It is the way God has put us together. When I, I'm going to take my text and I'm going to read a very familiar place. And I want you to listen to God's word. And I want you to think of this because this is David, King David. This is on the backside of his sin with Bathsheba. She got pregnant, right? Y'all know the story. A child was born. A child was born. And the child was sick. And the child was fixing, fixing to die. The child was not dead. But David, the king of Israel, is grieving. We can learn some things from him. I want you to watch this. The Bible says, beginning in verse 13 of 2 Samuel chapter 12, And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. You remember the man of God, Nathan, who come and said, David, you're the man, you're the man, thou art the man, you're the man. Nathan said to David, The Lord also hath put away your sin, thy sin, and thou shalt not die. Howbeit by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child that is born unto thee shall surely die. And Nathan departed unto his house, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare unto David, and it was very sick. David therefore besought God for the child, and David fasted and went in and lay all night upon the earth, and the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the earth, but he would not, neither did he eat bread with them. And it came to pass on the seventh day. Why is that important? You Bible scholars know that on the seventh day, the child died, what that meant to David. David could not take the child up to the house of God on the eighth day to circumcise him and to name him. So in David's mind, he had a child that was given no name that died, which really increased his grief and the pain of his heart. That's according to Jewish custom. The child died. The servants of David feared to tell him the child was dead. For they said, Behold, while behold, while the child was yet alive, we spake unto him, and he would not hearken unto our voice. How will he then vex himself if we tell him the child is dead? But when David saw that his servants whispered, David perceived the child was dead. Therefore David said unto his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, 
He is dead. Then David arose from the earth, washed, anointed himself, changed his apparel, came to the house of the Lord. He worshiped. He came into his own house. When he, re, when, he, when he required, they set bread before him, and he did eat. Then said his servants unto him, What thing is that thou hast done? Thou did fast and weep for the child while it was alive. When the child was dead, you did rise and eat bread. And he said, While the child was yet alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, Who can tell whether God will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he is dead. Wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return unto me. I want you to listen to me this morning. If you've ever experienced grief, there's something that you need to understand about grief. When someone has suffered loss, they're standing between two places. All right? I want to explain this the best way that you might be able to understand, all right? Reality is death has come, loss has come. That is the reality. Beyond that reality still lingers the expectation. The expectation, right? In other words, if you have lost a child, there is the expectation. that If you've got a daughter, you're thinking about her wedding day. If you've got a son, you're thinking about the day you teach him to hunt, to fish, to hit a baseball. And there is that expectation. But when you lose someone, there is the reality. And there is the space between expectation and reality. The reality is you have lost a child, but the expectation is still there of what you hoped would happen. And now it will never happen. And there is this space that is there. That space is called grief. And some people don't know what to do when they're in that place of grief. And the only thing that I can ever say to anyone is just to be gracious with someone's space. When someone is grieving, they need space. They need space and you need to be... And let me tell you, the best platform oftentimes for someone to grieve is the funeral home. Facing death has changed over the years. You and I are living in these God-blessed United States of America in the year 2023. Society and sociologists have defined your generation and my generation, the world that we live upon, death-free or death-denying. We have cleaned up death and dying to such a way that people are not grieving well. We went through COVID-19. Jeff will tell you, I don't know how many times we, it was just he and I back the hearse up to the chapel. We loaded up someone's loved one to meet them at a cemetery, a preacher to walk up and to try his best to comfort that family. No friends, no one to come to help that family grieve. And we watched them grieve differently than they never grieved before. They didn't grieve right. And as a result, they're still hurting today. And so grief still has a grip upon them. And I'm telling you, we're living in a day where it's been so sanitized that it's heartbreaking. So now we call death a transition from here to there. And some people have a difference of opinion about there. But I'm a preacher of the gospel, and I know there is only two choices for there. It's either heaven or hell. And the only hope, of, well, the thing that I think about and I'm concerned about more is to get you there to a place called heaven, and that is only through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the only way. You can think yourself positive, think yourself good, but you will never go to heaven on your good merit. I promise you. So death has become inconvenient. There was a time when people died. I've been this, doing this a long time, y'all. There was a time when people died, businesses would close. There'd be a time that the whole county would kind of stop. But now it's like we don't want to inconvenience anybody. 
so we're going to make everything convenient for everyone. You can deny your family some, you can deny them space to grieve. You ever said this? I bet you said this. I bet it's going like this. When I die, just throw me in a hole and cover me up. When I die, just throw me in a hole and cover me up. I'll tell you what you're saying. I don't want you to teach what you're saying to your family. I don't want you to ever get over the fact that I'm dying. Never grieve and grieve correctly. That's what you're saying. Give them space to grieve. I don't want a funeral. I don't want an obituary. I want it to be as though I lived and I died and I never lived. My life didn't mean anything, and so I'm here today and gone tomorrow. And you're thinking to yourself, the hardest thing, and I see people who never get over death in that way. I wrote a little funny one time because it come to me, the dumbest things to say at a funeral. <laughs> that, that's funny. That's supposed to laugh. But anyway, there's the dumbest things that I've said at a funeral. And when you go in and say this, I mean, let me tell you, this is how you're taking somebody's space away to grieve. I don't mean this to be therapeutic, but I'm getting somewhere, so stay with me. You're, you're so gracious. The dumbest things to say at a funeral, they're better off, are they? When someone's lost someone, no, they were better with me. Now, we're Christians, and we know heaven is better. So this is a flip side, but let me tell you, in the realm of humanity, this is what people hear. God, ne- and it's, here's the second dumbest thing we can say. God never gives us more than we can handle. That's found nowhere in the Bible. There was one verse that's taken out of its context and never mean that. If God never, if God never put more on us than we can handle, then pray tell me why would he say to you and to me, cast all of our cares upon him because he cares for us. There are things that come our way that we cannot handle. That's why we depend upon a thrice holy God to help us through the hard times, through the good times, through the bad times, through the sad times, and every single time in our life. Sometimes it just gets hard. Amen? Amen. But some people... Here's another, dumbest thing is that God needed another angel. You do know we're not angels. You do know when we die, we're not going to get wings and strum around on a harp in heaven. Y'all know that, right? If you don't, talk to me after the sermon, all right? And then another is I know exactly how you feel. No, you don't. You're not where they are. You haven't experienced what, I don't care if you've lost a child, I don't care if you've lost a mom or a dad, you don't know how they feel. Another is life goes on. Worst thing you could ever say. You're taking somebody's space to grieve. Here's another. I was one time walking to the funeral home. We were walking through. I didn't know the lady who was passing by. I'm kind of just trying to be kind. I just looked at her, and she was not even with the family. She was going into the chapel for a service. I said, how are you today, ma'am? She said to me, how do you think I am? I'm at a funeral home. I ducked around the corner and wanted to hide. You know, I thought, yeah, how are you? You know how everybody is. They're sad. So you give someone space to grieve. Best thing you can ever do, never try to fix a situation. Boy, I'm running out of time. Stay with me, though. I'll try, to, I'll try to wrap it up. Here it is. David, in this text, is experiencing what is called anticipatory grief. He's anticipating his grief. He's before the Lord. He's, tra- he's begging for the life of his child. In fasting, he is bargaining with God. It's very interesting, though, that Nathan, the man of God, the prophet, would come to David and said, the sword will never depart from your house. Here's what I find interesting. Do you know that the entire nine months of pregnancy when Bathsheba was pregnant with this child, David did not write one psalm. He did not write one psalm in that entire month. And here is the result of that is sin has a way of taking away your psalm. And so he's trying to mourn. And he's in anticipatory grief is what's going on in his life. Now, Nathan was very honest. 
Nathan said to David, The Lord's forgiven you of your sin, but your newborn son is going to die. David's grief became to be complicated and anticipated. Complicated, it was like a compound fracture. A compound fracture is when a bone breaks and it sticks out through the skin. All right? His, his grief was complicated. It was compounded upon itself. David admitted he was, remember two things I said, the two most powerful emotions that a human being experiences. One is guilt and the other is grief. When those two things hit together, you've got a dangerous individual. You've got someone who will say things you would never think they would ever say. They will do things you would think that they would never do. And when those two emotions hit together, it's hard to walk through that because they become like a wrecking ball and it begins to be difficult. See, here's a way that you can understand grief. Grief happens on the inside of us. When someone mourns, mourning, when someone mourns, they do that on the outside. Grief is something we internalize, and it becomes a process, it becomes a journey. There's no timeline of grief. You can't look at anyone and say, get over it, right? Because you don't know how long that it's going to be. Our world has become so busy that we've minimized death and dying and we've even sanitized death and dying. The loss of pain, the loss, the pain of losing someone is inevitable. But suffering is optional. You have listened to Pastor Les Fuller at Mount Gilead Baptist Church. Please join us at 11 a.m. at 5332 Highway 52 East, Dahlonega, or view our live stream on Facebook. May God bless you for listening. 97.5 Glory FM, your family radio station in North Georgia.